And open your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. You're going to be hearing a lot of this. My first sermon as a papa, first communion as a papa today. All the first. Y'all, I'm excited about this. Papa. Mark, chapter 4. One of my favorite stories in the Bible and one that I've taught from Many times, but I don't just take a message out of a file and bring it to you. It's just so rich. It's so pregnant. And every time I read it, there seems to be some nuance, some new thing or new leaning or or a new depth that's revealed. Mark 4.35. If you're there, say amen. All right. And the same day when the evening was come, Jesus said unto them, let us pass over to the other side. And when they sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. There arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And there was in the back part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, Uh, Jesus was in the back part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still." And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? I want you to underline that in your Bible. No faith. What's it like to be a disciple who sees Jesus with your eyes? You see him do miracles. You see the Holy Spirit descend from heaven like a dove upon him. You hear The audible voice of God saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And he looks at you and said, you have no faith. I'd think, you know, I got a little bit. He said, none. Because if your faith doesn't make it into your storms, it is illegitimate at best. How is it that you have no faith? And then they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And then in your very next chapter, Mark 5, verse 1, it says, and they came to the other side. All that which, all that which will not bear to be tested is mere carnal confidence. Fair weather faith is no faith. Unbelief is the root of all fear and the fruit of all defeat. The difference in battle, battles and storms is simple. And I spoke to you a couple of weeks ago about overcoming. When you overcome, the, the, the goal of a battle is to overcome, to fight through and obtain the victory. But God does not desire you to obtain the victory over a storm. He wants you to have the faith to endure them. The faith to continue, the faith to believe, the faith not to be anxious, the faith to weather. That's why this false uh, hyper faith movement is so prevalent among us is that we supposedly give people keys, invisible keys that no one else in the whole history of the world has known how you can get out of a storm. And Jesus tells us, or Paul tells us, be careful that no man deceive you from the simplicity of what's found in Jesus Christ. There are no keys, there's the Christ. To know him, 
to love him and to trust him and see him when others see other people see nothing but storms. I want to speak to you this morning by the grace of God on the subject, the faith to cross over. All of us are heading somewhere, heading to heaven. Anybody in here planning on that? Okay. Heading to heaven, heading to the next chapter, heading to the next assignment, trying to finish. Every one of us is crossing over. Jesus said, let us go to the other side. There was another assignment, another day, another responsibility. And faith, and I didn't plan on a series, but I talked to you about uh, faith to navigate uh, through all the obstacles and to overcome and to continue. And now I want to speak to you about faith to endure. Would you pray for me as I pray for myself that we would hear from heaven today? Father, I just present myself before you as Papa today. <laughs> yes, I do. I was once young, and now I'm older, and I have never been forsaken, nor have I ever had to beg bread. You, O oh Lord, remain faithful, and you remember the righteousness of men for a thousand generations, and I'm in the line of righteousness, and my, my cup runneth over. And I declare in the congregation of the righteous, surely goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord here, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord there forever and ever and ever. Let me speak, O oh Lord, with such a boldness today that we are quickened like battery cables on a, on a dead cell and jumpstart our soul, God. Let us see what we didn't see. Let us hear what we didn't hear. Let us know what we didn't know so we can do what we've never done. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I don't know if you can tell, but if you preach with me, I'll preach up a fit in this place today. Y'all, if you help me, and don't just sit there all stoic. The faith to cross over. As you know, in... Some of my uh, method of preaching is I go into something backwards. I show you the inverse before I show you what uh, I'm really wanting to show you. And I want to talk to you about that subject, uh, no faith. What do you do? How that, see, we just saw it as a simple thing. Well, we'd say, well, everybody gets scared in storms. Well, wait a minute. How bad did it have to be in the soul of his disciples for Jesus to tell them, you don't have any faith? Did they believe he was the son of God? Yes. But they had not learned how to appropriate the saving faith that was the gift of God and make it operate in their day-to-day -day lives. So you ain't got none. Well, you got some on God's end. You got what he gave you, but you've never exercised it. You've never moved it from your heart to your head. You've never moved it from your head to your mouth. You've never been bold. How can you see the storm more clearly than the Savior? And Jairus' daughter, how can you hear the message that she is dead more clearly than you hear the message that Jesus is coming home with you to raise her? What's, what's wrong here? There's a disconnect. And one wire, you men will know what I'm talking about, one wire not connected will keep a lawnmower from cranking. You can pull your shoulder off till it falls off. Faith, not faith 
to obtain luxury, faith to navigate without anxiety or fear. The things you receive are bonus. That's not what pleases God. What pleases God is that you are unmovable, unafraid, anxious for nothing. We can be concerned and not be anxious. So let's get to this. What was going on in their heart that would make Jesus say, you have no faith. I don't want him to feel that way about me. I surely don't want him to say that over me. Number one, no faith because they doubted his nearness. If you're taking notes. You can just put it at the top of your page because they doubted. And then I'll give you a word. You know, because they doubted dot, dot, dot. And I'll give you one word. Makes it so much easier. And why don't teachers do that in college and school? Tell you how to do it easy. Preachers have been very guilty of making profoundly simple things profoundly difficult. And I don't, I don't want to be that. And I think I told you this. I had someone tell me not too long ago. They said, and they were trying to pay me a compliment. And usually I'm weary. Uh, uh, wary, not weary, wary of that. And she said, I just love, how, you know, I can just tell how cerebral you are and how studied and, you know, I've never been to Bible college and, and you just know how to break it down so simple. I said, no, ma'am, I don't break nothing down. I am simple. She said, what? I said, I just give you like I get it. This is, so this is it. Not broken down. This is just it. All right. Number one, because they doubted his nearness. Keep your Bible open and look on the screens if, if they're keeping it up there for us. Verse 35, let us, and I preached on this a couple of months ago, that statement. There is nothing this side of the cross that's not let us. Let us get married. Let us have the child. Let us start the new job. Let us navigate the sickness. Let us navigate the lack. Let us live in the penthouse. Let us live in the poor house. Let us live in sickness and in health for rich or for poor. Let us be young. Let us go through the struggling middle years. Let us advance in age. Let our eyes grow dim. Me and you, let's do this. And when you forget how near he is, how close he is, he lives in you nigh you, even in your breath. And don't lose sight of the fact that this storm came upon them while they were dutifully performing what God had asked them to do. Some storms are the result of rebellion, like Jonah's storm. And just a side note, oh, I ain't got time to put all this in. So y'all pray for me. But it, this is important. When, when Jonah fled from doing what God asked him to do and all hell broke loose on this boat and he's asleep, you know, and they come and woke him up and said, pray to your gods to help us. He goes, ain't no sense of praying no more. Y'all can put up the incense and casting dice and everything. It's me. Just throw me in and it'll end. <laughs> I would love to see this video. They're like, what? He goes, just throw me overboard. It's me. I'm running from God. The only God. Just do it. So they're like, if you say so. One, two, three. They throw him in. A whale swallows him. What do you think those guys? Are? Oh, storm stops. And they're like, I wish he'd have told us that when we left port, you know. And some storms are the responsibility of rebellion, but most are not. Most are just the lot that you happened to come across in life, uh, demonic opposition. But Christ is still with you. 
He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That means that if I'm in a shadow, then he's in front of me and he's bigger than me. As mountains are round about the Jerusalem, so is the Lord round about his people from this day forward and forevermore. I'm his people. So in a storm, I'm still in a shadow. In the storm, I'm still surrounded. In the storm, he's still in me. In the storm, he's still near me. Whither can I go from thy presence? If I take up the wings of the morning, you're there. If I dwell in the bottom of the sea, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. Where am I ever going to get away from you? You're not. Oh, that phrase right there. Somebody needs to put that on their bathroom mirror, on the refrigerator. Let us, because us changes the way you look at today. Let us. God addresses our fears in the same way he addressed the disciples in the story of the previous storm discussed. He just said, it is I, be not afraid. Well, what about the storm? It is I, be not afraid. What about the waves? What about the wind? What about the boat? It is I. I'm with you. So I may have to bail. You know you've crossed over when you bail and you ain't worried? Bail the water and worship with the other hand. What does God do for storms? What's his solution? Revelation. I'm with you. I've got this. Listen, some of you like hashtags. I'm not a hashtag guy. But for those of you who are, this will be neat. The cure for fear is not better views, but better vision. I don't need a quiet sea. I need a present Christ. And if I see him, I would rather be, and I don't do deep water. I've been deep sea fishing a couple times. Did you catch anything? I chummed for everybody else. I, I, I helped them. I, I, calm water don't help me. I, you can still sink in calm water. I just don't like, you're 30 miles out. How long, I, you, know, you know when you don't like water, how long does it take us to get back? Well, if the wind cooperates five hours. I'm thinking if the boat's taking on water, that ain't good news, you know. It's not present views or precious views that encourage me at this stage in my life. It's present Christ. Better vision of him. Number two, not only did they doubt his nearness, they doubted his word. Look at verse 35b. He said, let us what? Come on. Pass over to the other side. So when he spoke that, that's the same thing as you reading something in the Bible for you. He said, we are going to the other side. So that's God's word. We question if God really said it in the storm. We question if we heard it right. We question if God really meant it. We question if God has changed his mind. I was talking with my daughters the other day, and uh, especially with, with Haley, and we were talking about not just us, but friends of ours and relatives, and even Shelly, you know, when she was waiting on that baby. She, and she made the statement, and it's so true, all of us have done this. We said, well, it's so hard when you're in it. Can you relate? It's so hard when you're in it. Well, that's my point. When else is it valuable? He gave them the word 
for the storm. Sheila, you know how you always tell me he sent his word first. He gave them the word before the storm. All they had to do was process. Jesus is here, and he said we're going to the other side. And if he said we're going to the other side, to the other side we're going to go. That doesn't mean we don't have to row. It doesn't mean we don't have to row like crazy. It doesn't mean that we're not going to bail. It doesn't mean that we won't be wind-chapped. It doesn't mean that we won't lose some things on the boat. It means that he is responsible to keep his word to me. Faith. We need to remind ourselves that it's impossible for God to lie. Hebrews 6.18. We need to remind ourselves that, that the immutable fact is that forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Psalms 119. We need to remind ourselves that heaven and earth will pass away, but his word shall never pass away. Luke 21. I love what the angel said when the disciples came looking for the resurrected Christ. And here's this angel, a mighty earthquake had come. And he rolled the stone back and was sitting on top of the stone. Video store. Got to see that one too. Got his legs crossed, sitting up there. How y'all doing? And then he said something very we just read it because it's like the, the resurrection story. And I believe the angel, if you look at the context, context is critical when you study the Bible. He was totally perplexed and corrective. He said, what are you doing looking for the living among the dead? He got up just like he said. I was on an airplane. I forgot where I was flying. And I remember reading that in my Bible. And I saw it. I saw the angel said, just like he said, what's, did you, I've watched him for eons. I watched him, the angelic host. I watched him create everything out of nothing and everything that appears was made out of things that do not appear. I watched him make man out of mud and breathe life into that mud man and called him Adam. I've watched him cut covenant with uh, Adam and watched him cut covenant with Noah and Moses and now the church. He's never once lied. What are you doing in a cemetery looking for a resurrected Lord? Like he said, and I started crying out loud. I said, just like he said. I was in first class, by the way. I happened to be, had a free pass to get in there. It wasn't that I paid for it, which makes it all the more special. And you know, people start relocating and moving. And the lady's like, can I get you a Coke? Just like he said. That'll be all right. I'll just pass on by hand. Just get you something later. And it hit me. And I've carried that with me. So you're saying you never struggle? Not as much since the revelation. Hath God not spoken it? Will he surely not bring it to pass? They doubted his word. When you doubt God's word, you are left with nothing else but your effort. And you don't work good. How do you know that? Because I don't work good. I know what I can't do. There's several men in the church. They compensate for me. They, these guys take care of me. I got electricians that take care of me and plumbers that take care of me and carpenters that take care of me. You know how smart I am? Can I just brag on myself and tell you how smart I am? You know, it's one of my grief fix my appliances. Do you, do you know what's one of my best things about me? I know what I don't know. Some of y'all don't let anybody know. You're the ones that think you're fooling guys and people 
And everybody knows your story, okay? You called a mechanic to come to your house, you raise the hood, and you stick your head under there with him. What you doing under the hood? You don't know anything under the hood. And God, well, let me tell you what I think. Brother Seagull comes to my house. He's helped me several times with the carpenter. You know what I do? I ask him, can I get you something to drink? <laughs> you good? Is temperature okay? You need a fan? All right, tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get out of your way and let you do your thing with no interruption, no distraction. And it's a miracle. The bed's fixed. The rail's fixed. The car's fixed. The light's cut on. The plumbing works all because I know what I don't know and I let the master of that skill do what he's going to do. He told me he would do it and based on the level of his availability and competency, it's done. And God is always present, a very present help in time of trouble and has no limits. He gave you his word on something and then we go, well, how's he going to do it? Now that I don't know. How did he fix your wiring in your house? I don't know. How did he fix that old hoopty you got? None of y'all, some of y'all too rich. You've been raised rich all your life. You don't know what a hoopty is. I've had a hoopzilla. <laughs> Any of you laid hands on cars besides me? Jesus, please. Singing near the cross, trying to. And then a mechanic come over and he go, either this is a simple fix or he goes, now, this is going to take a while. And I go, Are you, is it all right? No, I can do it. It's going to take a while. And I just hear the Spirit of the Lord speaking to me, to some of us today. I can do it. It's just going to take a while. I, want, I got some things I'm doing in you while I'm doing this. So I'm just going to take a while, okay? Okay, doubted his word. Number two. Number three, they doubted his leading. Pastor Wade preached on this the other day about the Lord leading us into a wilderness. It said there arose a great storm of wind. Where did the great storm of wind come? Where he pointed them. Well, if God led us, there'd be no difficulty. Our faucets would pour Kool-Aid. You know, everything in the mail would be great, right? He said, let's go to the other side. They get in the boat. And while they're in the will of God, there arose a great storm of wind. And they doubted his leading because of how quickly they ch things changed. Because of how unexpected the storm was, how violent it was, how futile their efforts were, and how desperate their plight. We struggle many times because we don't feel that Jesus will lead us into difficulty. But the Holy Spirit always leads us into cause, not necessarily comfort. Sometimes comfort is there. But he leads us into purpose and intentions. They doubted Jesus' leading. Have you ever done this? Well, I thought I was in his will. Well, what changed you? was in his will Tuesday. All hell broke loose. You don't determine his will based on the reaction of your obedience. I determine his will in the inner chamber of my heart where he communes with me. And again, I don't know who this is for, but it's for someone today. Don't forget in the storm what you knew in the calm. Don't forget in the darkness what you knew in the light. Number four, they doubted his control. Look at verse 37. And the waves beat, began to beat into the ship. 
one of our ushers or somebody in the booth, if y'all would just call uh, Amy and Steve and just tell them today will be 1145 because we have communion. It might be a little earlier than that, but I want them just not to. And somebody goes, dear Lord, I had lunch plans. Change them. Uh, number four, because they doubted his control and the waves beat into the ship. Because if Jesus was in control, waves never beat into the ship. If Jesus is in control, storms never come. If Jesus is in control, things don't get out of control. There it is. Well, if he's in control, things wouldn't be out of control. Out of whose control? When you say things are out of control, what you mean is they're out of your control. I have found that the greatest changes and the greatest glories that are ever produced in my life are on the other side of control. They doubted his control. This was not just any storm. It was unannounced. Jesus didn't mention it. It was violent. It was relentless. It was dangerous and life-threatening. This storm threatened sailors. Like, you know, I talked to you about the mechanic. When they open the hood and they go, uh-oh. You just reach for your checkbook. What, what happened? What happened there? Bruh, as long as ain't no water in this oil, as long as ain't no gas in it, uh-oh. This was uh-oh. But the mechanic, the master didn't say it, they did. We have a mistaken view that God's control is in direct proportion to our comfort. We forget that his omniscience makes him precisely aware and his omnipresence makes him pressingly near. And his omnipotence makes it altogether sufficient to handle each and every situation that we may face. He is always in control. He does not slumber nor sleep. He is not worried. He is not scurrying. And he is never reactive. He is proactive. He knew the changes before the changes were necessary. And I say things like this, and some, you know, because sometimes I cut up with you, and you, you, you think that I'm just trying to be funny sometimes when I'm not. This is my theology, my belief system about God. Does he know all things? So before I was born, 57 years ago, he knew on November the 3rd I would be standing here in a blue shirt. If I know that, then this unexpected storm is just a blip on the screen. I start my prayers. Ain't no shock to you, God, but things are going crazy here. <laughs> tell the truth, but don't tell it in fear. Don't, you don't have to update him. Like, I know you didn't see this one, God. Let me tell you what happened at work, you know. <laughs> Number five, they doubted his timing. And I'm just giving you the highlights. Y'all need to go home and work through this. There's a lot of meat here. It said the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. What do full boats do? Okay. There can never be a too late or a too early in the revealing of God's intentions. We forget that God operates outside of time. And he's not bound to physical laws. Let me read this one verse to you. For whom God did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. This is Romans 8. 
Moreover, whom he did predestinate, he called. And whom he called, he justified. And whom he justified, he also glorified. That's the whole gamut of the life of the believer. He foreknew you. He predestinated you. He called you. He justified you and glorified you. How many of y'all are glorified yet? Any glorified bodies in here? I know you're trying, but it's done to him. It's already finished work for him. How can he give John a revelation of the things, not like they would happen, the things that would happen, unless he can show him the end from the beginning? In his eyes, I'm already home. Now I just got to live in faith and squeeze every ounce of glory out of my life for his name's sake. Isn't that rich? God has a schedule. God's schedule is perfect and God keeps his schedule. Galatians 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that are under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because we've received that adoption, our spirit cries, Abba, Father. When the fullness of time has come, had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, not a man and a woman, born of a woman made under the law. So literally, that means at the exact moment. So in heaven, you could say, even though I know it, they didn't do this, but you, there's no exaggeration. It is Mary's contractions. She's dilated. And the father could have said, Four, three, two, one, birth. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. It happened on schedule. What would happen if you surrendered yourself to God's schedule? But I want what I want. I know. You know what the step of faith was for me? And I've crossed over. I'll occasionally struggle with it. But, you know, as you get close to 60, you ain't got much time. I mean, not a whole lot of time. You got to learn the lessons. You got to, you know, I'm a finite creature. You, you know, you, you, you got to get. I really crossed over a few years ago to you pick. Well, what do you mean? I trust him more than I trust myself. You pick for me. And I know whatever comes my way that all things, you didn't hear me, all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. They doubted his person, his divinity. When the boat got full, they cried out, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Master, and what that word means, some of you may know this, some may not, teacher, instructor. If my boat's going under, I'm not hollering for a teacher. Rabbi, teacher, instructor. I'm like, God! How many of y'all in your car and a car pulls out in front of you? Even atheists. Jesus! Nobody hollers, oh, checkbook! You know. Geico! Nobody says nothing like that. It's Jesus. God, you know what came out of their mouth? Instructor, teacher. Listen, listen to what I'm about to share with you. Jesus was an influence in their life, but not the sovereign ruler over it. He had a voice, but he was not the voice. 
To them he had a say, but not the final say. He exhibited great power, but he was not the source of power. In a nutshell, at this time, they saw them different than they saw themselves, but not as almighty God. Oh, if I could somehow pour this into your heart. Once he is to you, God almighty. Ain't nothing you can't do. You don't need me. You don't need my prayer. He lets me pray to walk alongside and bring him more glory. You know, the people said, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. No, God said it. That settles it. I don't need don't need you. He lets you come along like your little three-year-old helps you fix the car. Almighty God, is there anything too hard for the Lord? We know that intellectually, but we can't process it. But you can by faith like a child. By faith like a child. They doubted his love. This to me is the hardest. Brooke, if you would come up, please. They doubted his love. Look at verse 38. Carest thou not? In my opinion, this was the most hurtful thing ever said to Jesus. How can you say that? They railed on him. They mocked him. They called him Beelzebub. The people did. The Lord of the flies. They called him an imposter, a bastard. They, they, they mocked him as fake king, a disruptor. No, but this was his disciples. And they said, don't you even care that we perish? Carest thou not? You may have life without knowing God loves you, but you cannot live without knowing it. You may have forgiveness by believing what God did for you through Christ, but you will not live fearless until you know why he died for you. Because he loved me. And if he loves me, then he will find me. And if he loves me, then he will help me. And if he loves me, he will keep his word to me. And it's, oh, oh. Perfect love. Casteth out what? What are you afraid of? Well, no, that's not it. You don't believe God loves you. Oh, yes, I do. No, you don't. How can you say that? Scripture says so. If you believe that his love was yours and that it was perfect, which meant it was connected to his person, his character, his promises, his nearness, his timing, his intentions, his faithfulness, you wouldn't be afraid. Carest thou not that we perish? Number eight, they doubted his power. We perish. How'd they come to that conclusion? They accurately added up the things they were experiencing. This is where we're good. Okay, get on a boat, go across the lake, storm hits, wave beats into the ship, the boat's full of water. Two, 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 four, three. Two. We're going under. And if we go under, we die. Our problem is that we are more astute in processing our circumstances than we are processing the Word of God. 
it would have been fairer to say, more accurate to say, and more God-honoring to say, I ain't never heard of a full boat making it to the side, but God, we need your help. Some of you have already said what's going to happen and what you've said is going to happen contradicts what God says and he's going to give it to you because you said it. We ain't never going to have nothing. Write that down. We ain't never going to have a child. Write it down. Because without faith, it's impossible to even please me. If you don't even believe I am who I say I am. God doesn't give false promises or false hope. Now, I don't manipulate him through his word. I honor him through his word. We perish. What if we could have froze that and put a microphone? Where'd you get that information? Through carnal reasoning. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, we're going to the other side. We doubt his power not because God is weak, but because we, our faith is weak. Weak faith trembles. Weak faith forgets. Weak faith speaks, and the words are negative, complaining, accusational, and fatalistic. We perish. So finally, Jesus deals with their fears. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Why does Jesus address our fears? Why do I preach to you against your fears? Because if you don't deal with the source, the root of your fears... They will hinder your life and disqualify you from God's purpose and calling in your life. Your fears travel with you. How else did he deal with his fe their fears? He addressed them and then he showed a demonstration of great power. He arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. I know we've got some guys in the Navy here. Some have spent time on deep water. And even in uh, ports, when there's been a great storm, it takes hours and hours for the water to calm. So they woke Jesus up. And that's another thing. We think Jesus is sleeping. He's not asleep. you know. And he was physically sleeping. So they woke him up. And he said, why is it that you have no faith? And he went to the bow of the boat and spoke to nature. He said, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and the waters calmed. And there was a great calm. Now watch what happened. And he asked them a question and they didn't answer it. It's in your Bible. Why are you so fearful? Why is it that you have no faith? And they never answered it. Don't go to your grave without answering the question. And the answer would have been, because I don't believe. Yeah, your theology, man. Andy, we're never greater than our theology. What I believe about God. I believe if, if I pass on, that God will take care of my babies, just like your daddy believed. I believe if I die before my feet get cold, I'll be with Jesus. I believe that God loves Kelly and my babies better than I do. I will not fear the arrow that flieth by day, the pestilence that comes by night. I believe that God is a very present help in times of trouble. He's my friend that sticketh closer than a brother. How is it that you have no faith? No faith when the greatest object of faith is standing right in front of you or living. No faith when you've seen me do miraculous things. And then 
They feared exceedingly. Why? Look in your Bible. They went from fearing the storm to fearing the Christ. And they said, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him, period, and they came to the other side. Just like he said. So see, I'm on the time frame. Kelly and I, y'all joined with me. How many of you prayed Jimmy and Shelly? So three years of praying. And now you can't talk about the storm of the weight with the same emotion, the same gut-wrenching, and she's pacing. She wrote on her Facebook page, and just like that, my weeping was turned to dance. Just like what? Going from the boat to the shore. I wonder if anybody went, and we came to the other side. Didn't you say? Yeah. Father, whoever this is for today, Help them to have the courage and the character to address their fears and confess them as sin. And may we be full of faith, believing. Without faith, it's impossible to please you. But with our faith, may we glorify you. We're not using our faith for an outcome. We're using our faith to bring glory and credence to the existence and the magnificence of our great God. Be it unto us according to your word. Let people look upon us and say, that one believes. That one believes. Ushers, while everyone here is being reverent and praying, would you guys begin to serve our church body, the communion? We'll start from the back to the front. And y'all, if you'll wait for everyone together today, we'll take. Those in the congregation, I don't usually do this this time, but would you look to me? I feel like I need to share this with somebody here today. When you, of course, all of us, if there's sin in your life, you just have to confess it. You can't, none of us are perfect, but we can be forgiven. You know, don't, don't just take communion if you're living like hell and there's this rebellion because you can literally eat and drink damnation, sickness and damnation to yourself. But those of you that say, as far as I know, there's nothing wrong between God and I. You don't have to search. That's the Holy Spirit's job. If you think you're good, like, God, am I, you're okay. I want to give you this verse while you hold the symbol of the broken, beat up body and the poured out blood. The Bible says that if God spared not his own son, but delivered him up for you freely, won't he now freely give you all things that you need? Whatever you've already asked, it's done. It's just not time yet. Just, if you would die for me, surely you would keep your word to me. That's our faith. Communion not only secures our soul, it secures our now. I ain't worried about tomorrow. Deal the next card. God lives. Amen? So y'all prepare your heart as we get ready to take communion.
One other thing I want us to do today as you're you're served, once you've been served, if you are in the middle of a storm between, and I don't mean just rain, everybody gets rain, but a storm that has the potential to take you out and you just want to make a stand and say, I believe God, what you told me in Mark 4.35 is going to happen in Mark 5.1. I just want to take communion at your altar today. I want, to, I want you just, as you're served, to come stand here. No one will be praying for you. This is between you and God. I want you to have an opportunity to pray today down front. Those that have already been served, you can come to the front if you need to and stand. with you, buddy. He's with you, sis. He's with you. He's with you. Has everyone been served? Just raise your hand if you haven't. Wanda, you can just come here. Church family, y'all stand with us this morning. In everything that we go through, this is my anchor. This is what brought me into reconciliation. This is what brought him into my heart and me into heaven. This is that which names me and numbers me and protects me and preserves me and provides for me and makes me who is a stranger now able to cry, Abba, Father. I have access to all that he is and all that he can do and all that he's promised and he will not fail. That's not a key to getting what I want. That's a revelation to make my heart and hands lift high and give him praise. That's what that is. 
So, in the same night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said to his disciples, those that he loved, this is my body that's broken for you. As often as you do this, remember me. So, Lord, we remember today how they beat you and they stripped you and they mocked you and they plucked your beard and they beat you unrecognizable. They offered you a painkiller and you refused it not. And you suffered. You were wounded for my transgressions. And I remember that today and I don't take it lightly. Let's take together. And this... I'll start with me and you can join in with your heart. This cup, the symbol of his blood that paid for my sins. The years of fornication and adultery uh, that I helped others do. The lewdness, the thieving, the lying, the stealing. All of my sins were nailed to the cross. And he paid for them and gave me a new heart and freedom to walk out. And as far as the east is from the west, he has removed my transgressions from me, forgiven. And Lord, we lift the cup to you this morning. And the same night Jesus was betrayed, he took wine and poured it. And he said, this is my blood that will be shed for you, the blood of the new covenant. And I won't drink it again till I drink it with you in the kingdom. Remember me. Let's take together. Wade, where are you, buddy? You're close. Come on up. I want you to close in prayer. Church family, let's stop trying to figure out how to get to shore. And let's just figure out how more clearly we can see Jesus. Amen? Take your time and pray over us this morning. Lord, thank you for your word. God, your word that gives life, that gives hope, that restores. God, it's your word that speaks into us and takes dead things and makes them alive and takes broken places that brings them whole and God you've spoken your word in our hearts this morning God let us not walk away and forget but God burn it deep God that our faith in you would grow that it would grow deeper and stronger and richer God that we could look and behold your face and look at our situation and stand upon your promises and your word because they are true you are faithful, you are righteous, and you are good. So as we leave, God, let us carry this with us this week. Let us carry this into our Monday morning. Let us carry this into our workplace. Let us carry this into our homes. God, that no matter what we face, you are there with us. We ask your blessings over the rest of this day that we would go in you and your peace would reign with us in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.